John 1.14 says, The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our prayer is that you might see God's love and faithfulness as you listen to our Sunday morning message here at First Methodist Bryan. Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. He also told them this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thusly, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, not like thieves or rogues or adulterers or even this tax collector here. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all of my income. But the tax collector was standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. The word of God for you, me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, the inspired, authoritative word of God. In in these few moments that we have to focus on what you would teach us, I pray that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart, a heart willing to be molded by you and obey you. Lord, we give you these few moments, and we're listening. In the name of Jesus, let the church say amen. As a teenager, I was in a small church, a lot of family, Swanwood Springs Methodist Church. The pastor was Brother Earl Murphy. Don't have a lot of people named Earl anymore. I loved Brother Earl. He was a part-time local pastor and a full-time executive with Southwestern Bell. Anybody remember the old company, Southwestern Bell? Brother Murphy um, had a heart to serve and a heart for people in my greatest respect. He served over a decade, and he officiated the wedding for Karen and I, which was 45 years ago last week. I still remember the wedding. I know Karen will be glad to know that. In those days, they didn't have wireless microphones. Brother Murphy got tangled up in the microphone cord and tripped. I don't know if you remember that, Karen, but I do. It's unforgettable. One of my best men, a cousin, Eugene, who played football on the football team with me, didn't zip his pants. There were... There's a lot of things that happened that were just, and now that I've been a pastor all these years, there's always something that goes on at a wedding that just kind of funny and happens. And I get an amen from Chris. A year before I got married, Brother Murphy came up to me and, and said, would you preach a sermon 
I'd never preached before. Apparently, he saw something in me I didn't yet see. I didn't yet feel called. But I, I preached my first sermon on the passage that Pastor Jeremy read, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, which some Bibles will call the publican, not the republican, the publican. That, that's a public service officer. Luke, who writes this, is very keen on you knowing who is in the audience. It's the Pharisees. So Jesus is telling a story for their benefit. And Luke describes the Pharisees who were the religious leaders of the community of the day. Very respected. Luke describes them, quote, trusting in themselves that they were righteous and who despised others, end quote. What a terrible thing to say about a religious leader. But that's the state of their heart. And Jesus, like a heart surgeon, went right to it. Contrary to what you hear in our culture, pride is a sin. Especially the pride that these religious leaders had. Thinking they were better than other people. The Pharisees that Jesus addressed had raised pride to a whole new level of arrogant boastfulness. Vainglory covered them like their prayer shawls. They were so full of themselves. I think maybe that's why this parable attracted me as a teenager and still today, because even back then, I did not like pretentious, arrogant people who thought they were better than everybody else. I got to tell you, every time I put on this robe, I sometimes think, I wonder if the people that see me wear this robe think that I wear it because they think that I think I'm better. I want to share with you that every time I put on this robe, it is a humbling experience and reminds me that I'm not worthy and not good enough to wear it. Not good enough to follow in the footsteps of others who wore it, but also I realize that every time I put it on, it tells me that if it weren't for the blood of Jesus covering me, I could not do this. It's one, one of the reasons why that I chose to get red piping on this robe is to remind me of the blood of Jesus that cleanses me from all sin. And that's the only reason why that I can wear it. Jesus told this parable to make one point. And we're going to get there. He was talking to them about how to pray and the attitude to have. As disciples of Jesus, we should pray like Jesus. Can we all agree to that? We have total 
total unity and unanimity, we should all pray like Jesus. Do you pray like Jesus? How do you pray? How do you do that? Pastor Jeremy and I are joining in a sermon series for a while on prayer. We'll be teaching how to use the Lord's Prayer as an outline for prayer. And I want to encourage you to go and watch Pastor Jeremy's sermons on our website or on YouTube so that you can get his perspective of the same thing that, that I'll be teaching and preaching on. I found Pastor Jeremy to be a godly man of prayer, and I'm so glad we're yoked together. I can't think of anything more important in a spiritual leader than that kind of prayer life. Amen? So I'm glad Pastor Jeremy is that kind of godly man. And I'm also glad that our whole staff is that way. We're going to be using a book to help us by Pete Gregg, who co-founded the 24-7 prayer movement that you can read about on the internet. Pete is a pastor on at Emmaus Road in Guilford, England. And he has a course you can watch on YouTube based on this book, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. I want to read the book, A Simple Guide for Abnormal People, but I don't think anybody's going to write that book. I want to give you a clip of uh, the introduction to the course. I think it will help you just a little bit. So Cameron, go ahead. Have you ever wondered why so many people pray? Well, Albert Einstein said that there's really only two ways to live, as if nothing's a miracle or as if everything's a miracle. Either life's a fluke and we're just a bunch of highly evolved animals on a big rock lost in space, or there's a creator behind creation, a a God behind goodness. And if so, then connecting with him in prayer is pretty much the most mind-blowing thing you can do. Archaeologists keep digging stuff up that shows we've always prayed. People of many faiths pray daily. Even atheists admit to praying sometimes. Real prayer is a two-way conversation with the living God who loves and listens to the things we say. Jesus said, ask anything in my name and it'll be done. Amen. I'm excited about going on this journey with you so that we can have one goal, to pray like Jesus. I'm pretty sure if I spoke with Pete's English accent, you would, you would listen better. My words would have more impact, but my real prayer is that the Holy Spirit would speak to your heart. That's always my prayer in a sermon. So that you will have the desire that burns in you to pray like Jesus and be in fellowship with the Lord every day. What a privilege to come before the Lord and pray. So I'm looking forward to that. And if we're going to start, we better start with what Jesus did. If we're going to pray like Jesus, we ought to do what he, what he does. So by his own life, Jesus demonstrated Three things you need to do before you even begin to speak or listen. Three things. Number one, pause. Number two, at a place. 
And number three, at a time. Pause at a place and a time. Here's what Jesus did in Mark 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, right before the disciples asked him to teach them to pray, which we'll be dealing with. It says, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, you see, there was a certain place. I don't know if it was the same place every time. I'm sure it was not the same place every time, but i got a question for you. Do you have a place to pray? Jesus said you needed one. Here's what Jesus said in another place, Matthew 6. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, he's talking to his disciples, you go away by yourself. You shut the door behind you, and you pray to your Father in private. And then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. I mentioned last week that I spent a sabbatical in prayer, reading a book, All the Prayers of the Bible, and some other books. One Joe gave me a classic book, and, and I spent time in prayer. And I have a place that's set aside in the guest bedroom. It's just a chair, but that's my place. That chair was a chair my grandparents sat in, and I inherited that from them. It's an old rickety, rickety chair, which is good for Rick, right? And so I can either use it as an altar and pray that way, or I can sit in it. But I know that's my place. Now I have other places. When the weather's not 104, I like to go on the back porch on the back swing. Um, there are other places. Some people pray, and sometimes I do in my car. Um, and some people pray when they're walking. Uh, I see many of you walking around uh, the neighbor, my neighborhood, and I would imagine some of you are praying, and, and that's good. You can talk to the Lord and listen to the Lord while you walk. The point is, you have a place and it's your place. How important is it to have a place? Very. You have a place for everything else, right? Do y'all have a place to eat? Y'all don't eat. You have a place to eat. You should have a place to fellowship with the Lord. Your place. I want to challenge you to find a place. Make a place if you don't have a place. Let me tell you a story about a woman who's one of the reasons, maybe actually the reason you're here today. Her name is Susanna Wesley. She's known as the mother of Methodism, of Wesleyanism, because she's the mum, as they say in England, of John and Charles Wesley. She's actually the mum of ten children, three boys, seven girls, and nine others, a total of 19 that she gave birth to, nine 
did not survive infancy. Can you imagine the heartache? Susanna Wesley was a godly woman married to an Anglican clergyman who had a lot of challenges. Samuel didn't handle money well, and he, he had other issues. They were so poor at times. Samuel once got put into debtor's prison. So poor. Susanna had a very difficult life. And every day, she would sit in a chair in the house, and she would take her apron, and she would put it over her head, and that was her prayer closet. And she would pray. And if the kids disturbed her, they would, they would understand the phrase, the wrath of God. They knew to leave her alone because that was her time to pour out her heart to God. She poured out her heart to God, grieving over her children. She poured out her heart to God about her husband, how hard it was in the ministry. You know how hard it was in the ministry? They got appointed to serve Epworth by Queen Mary, and they were not well-received. Samuel Wesley, Reverend Samuel Wesley, was a, uh, a loyalist with the queen, and, and uh, the congregation he had was not appreciative of that. Some of the people refused to tithe their money. Can you imagine withholding your tithes for that? And then mysteriously, after so much persecution of them, mysteriously, on um, February... The uh, trying to remember the date, February 9, 1709. The parsonage caught on fire. And little John Wesley, who they called Jackie, had to jump. And at age five, his life was spared. From that moment on, he was known as a brand plucked from the burning, which is a phrase from the prophet Zechariah. Is this not a brand plucked out of the fire? That wouldn't have happened except for God's providential grace. Susanna had a place to pray, and it's just an apron. Do you have a place? Do you have a place to pray? On a tractor? At the breakfast table? Not only do you need a place, because Jesus had a place, you need a time. That's called an appointment. I know, y'all know what an appointment is, because every one of us is, made an appointment with the doctor or the dentist. I have an appointment in a week with the dentist. They're texting me every day. They're driving me nuts. I'm going to keep my appointment. They just want to make sure that I don't forget because it costs them money if I forget. How important is it to set an appointed time to pray to God? Very. As a matter of fact, I will tell you this. If you don't set an appointed time 
you'll miss the appointment because you didn't have one. But if you set an appointed time, you'll probably keep it. Set your alarm on your phone to go off. Do whatever it takes. Set an appointed time. You don't have to pray only once a day. You can pray several times a day. You can walk in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit all through the day. And you should. But you should also set aside a time and a place Jesus did. And if he's going to do it, who are we, his disciples, not to do it? We're not being very faithful if we don't understand that that's a time to fellowship with the Lord. Maybe you pray two, three times a day. The prophet Daniel prayed three times a day. You'll say, Pastor Rick, the prophet Daniel did pray three times a day, and he got thrown into the lion's den for doing it. That's right. It also gave the Lord the great opportunity to do one of the greatest miracles of all, to shut the lion's mouth so that Daniel didn't become meow mix. How important is it to set a time? It's very. Somebody once said, I'm too busy to pray. My friend, you're too busy not to pray. To pray like Jesus is not just about setting a time and a place. It's how you approach God. Even before you, even before you open your mouth to give Him your praise and rejoice and to, to ask, even before you do that, you need to prepare your heart. You need to pause and prepare your heart so that you approach the Lord humbly. That's what this parable is about. The Pharisee and the tax collector. It's about a hard attitude as you approach God. It matters. It matters to Jesus. What good does it do to set aside a time and a place if when you go to the Lord to pray, you're full of yourself instead of humble? The, ta- the, the Pharisee looked down on other people. The Pharisee thought he was righteous in himself. But the tax collector was heard because he lived out what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the attitude. This parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector has one main point, like all parables. And I think everyone gets it. I think it's one of the easiest parables to get. I think it's obvious. God listens to sincere prayers of the humble and he shows mercy when we confess our sins. But God does not listen to the proud. Somebody asked me, does God answer all prayer? I said, why don't we do it this way? Does God hear all prayers? Yes. But does God listen and answer all prayers? No. God listens to sincere prayers. He answers sincere prayers of the humble. He also can do whatever he wants to do. He's God. When you cry out in repentance and you ask God to forgive you of your sins, And you confess those sins, whatever they are. Pride, lust, 
lying, anger, whatever they are. The Lord, if you're humble, He will forgive your rebelliousness. He's merciful and He's gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And He will listen. He loves you like a father loves their child. Prayer should be like a conversation between a loving parent and their child. Y'all know Jesus had a prayer book? He was Jewish. He had a prayer book. It's called the Book of Psalms. It's also a song book. They sang those psalms. This year, I determined that I wanted to pray more like Jesus. So at the beginning of the year, I began to read the psalms. And I have a devotion book that goes with it by Dr. Keller, who, by the way, passed away this year. So it's been very interesting to read his devotions, knowing that he didn't win his fight with cancer, but he is with the Lord. But every day, I've been starting my day with a psalm, with the thought that Jesus read this very psalm, maybe sang this very psalm, and that Jesus worships the Lord with this very psalm. And so I wanted to have the mind of Christ in all things, so I went to his songbook, his prayer book. Guess what I found out? If you look at this parable, do you know that it has an inspiration from one of the psalms? It's almost like Jesus read this psalm and then made up a story based on the heart of the psalm. Here's the psalm. You're going to want to write it down. It's 131, verse 1 and 2. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. That means filled with pride. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. In other words, I'm not going to compare myself to anybody else and all their problems I got my own. But I have calmed and quieted myself. Let me stop there. That means he had to pause. He had to pause at a time and a place. He had to stop. I have calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child. I am content. And the word there is what you would expect. Basically, completely at rest. I'm good. That psalm is the attitude to have when you enter into God's presence to pray. My heart's not proud, Lord. My eyes are not filled with pride. I've calmed and quieted myself before you. Speak, Lord, and let me speak to you. I want to ask you to do something about this sermon. I want you to make a commitment to the Lord to pray every day this week. I want you to find a place or make a place and set a time and then pause and prepare your heart and then pray. 
I don't know of anything more important in your life to keep your fellowship with God the way it should be. Your fellowship with Jesus depends on your prayer life. If you don't have a good prayer life, you're going to find that your relationship with the Lord Jesus isn't very good. But when you set a place and a time, which is what Jesus did, and you pray, you will begin to develop the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you more than anything. You're his child. You belong to him. He wants you to come and pray. He waits for you to come and pray. This place that you're going to set aside, you might even envision that the Lord is sitting right there waiting on you. And if you don't keep your appointment, you're just keeping him waiting. I don't like to be kept waiting. But I would rather be late and show up than never show up at all. Will you make a commitment in your heart right now? Set a place. Set a time. Prepare your heart and pray. That's what it means to pray like Jesus. I'll be saying this a lot when it comes to prayer. I got real simple things for prayer. Keep it real. Keep it simple. Keep it up. That's prayer. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that my brothers and sisters in Christ would keep it real when they pray, that they would keep it simple and that they would keep it up. And I pray that they would set aside a time and a place to pray because they need to worship you every day. You love them. You want to shower your blessings of grace and mercy all over them. Help them, Lord, to do that, to keep that spiritual discipline so that it can be a means of grace to draw closer to you. Or there may be people here that don't know you. They've never given their life to you. I hope they'll do that today. That they'll say, Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me my sins. I want to be your child. Lord, I pray that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit. Forgive them. And help them to begin a life of prayer and a fellowship with you. Lord, forgive us for prayerlessness. We can lament it and feel guilty about it, but Lord, just forgive us and let us go forward to pray like Jesus. In his glorious name I pray. Let the church say amen. Thank you for listening with us. We hope that you have encountered the risen Jesus today. If you want to hear more, please consider subscribing. We would also welcome you to join us in person. For more information, please visit us at fmcbryan.org.